All right, everybody, we're talking about the, what I thought. I didn't realize this episode was coming, but this is the mid-season finale of uh, The Good Place. Uh, episode 9, Janet. Uh, uh, Janet and then S, Janet. So the S is in parentheses. Uh, and this was a treat because I thought the last episode was uh, the season finale when they went into Janet's void. But this takes place within Janet's void. And it starts with a zoom of Michael... He's doing air squats. Uh, his hair, is my hair still amazing? He's back in his uh, suits, uh, really nice suits. Uh, kind of a darker royal blue color. Uh, his shirt is like almost, I guess I wish I had more words than lavender for it, but a pocket square and shirt in a lavender type color. I don't know what this says. Ties make a competent corrugated Oh, some of the colors that complement Janet's colors. Uh, his pocket square also has, like, it seems to be some polka dots. I'm pretty sure I have some bow tie commentary somewhere on here. A trio, holy cow. What does that mean? Uh, pupils wear blue. Oh, tie, holy cow. It, his tie is really nice. It has purples, oh, yeah, whites and blues. Uh, here I put that his jacket is almost a perfect blue. And then we find out that there's four more Janets uh, uh, that are humans are now Jan. I guess they're not humans anymore because they're post-life humans. Uh, they're Janets. Uh, I think it goes Jason, Eleanor, Chidi, and Tahani uh, from left to right. Uh, and then they say, okay, uh, that one, Jason, open. Uh, I'm not sure what that is, but Janet changes them into outfits that are more suiting of their characters. Uh, really amazing acting. Holy cow, what a what a performance uh, by Darcy uh, Carden. And uh, really, uh, let's see. So we have Jason. I wish you, uh, chapter 36. Uh, uh, next beat, uh, but still a great thing. Yeah, four Janets dressed as their essences, reconstituted. I licked that word. I didn't have a chance. I didn't look that one up, though, because there's so much interesting stuff to look up here. I know what some of this writing is. Uh, next uh, boat. Next, uh, but still. And it's probably stuff Michael's saying, uh, like, uh, uh, but then Janet makes a living room in her void for the humans. A sofa one with one chair, a painting, a floor lamp, a side table, I think with a desk lamp, a coffee table. Uh, Jason Janet's messing around, he calls a sofa. Uh, interdimensional discussions. On the coffee table, there's these three giant glass things. I don't know if they're decorative. They look like giant jelly beans. Uh, like, a, And then there's also a wooden box with carving on it. Uh, but basically, uh, they're stuck in the humans are in the void, and uh, Michael and Janet are going to go to the accountant's office. They go there, and they meet neutral Janet, who's the blank sheep of the family. And Janet has her, her, she says, geez, I can throw shade now. And they say, geez, we want to see the head accountant. We'd like to uh, see him uh, something. 
poster for oh there's a wanted poster for the four humans uh and it's a dot matrix printed poster a poster wanted for processing or something is there's two kinds of languages on the poster this is a corkboard there's also a memo from uh matt to everyone uh something like about uh it, it, it's a, there's also a, another pink memo and, and that's all in bad place writing or that script that they're using. Uh, but it matched, we couldn't read Matt's memo, but it had to do with something coming up uh, regarding future something rules. I don't know. Uh, then we see that having four humans inside her void is not good for Janet because she sings a little share uh, and then we go back and, you know, she's, we see that she, for the whole episode, Janet's going to play all the roles of the humans or for the majority of it. And, uh, the Eleanor Janet, uh, conjures up a puppy, uh, oh, in the waiting room in the accountant's office, there's individual lockers in the waiting room. Uh, then they say the head accountant will see you now. And we see that the head accountant is none other than Stephen Merchant, uh, and he has a mug that says "Existence's Best Boss." He he kind of plays like a role, not a David Brent role, but a more of like a office drone role. A quad turn, Eleanor and Cheedy. A quick tour. He's like, "You guys want a quick tour of my office?" Then we go back to Eleanor and Cheedy. Janet's. Uh, they're talking about their other lives and the love story. Uh, but Janet Cheedy's like that wasn't me. That was a cheat. That was another Cheedy, not not the Cheedy I am. Uh, and something not some Cheedy's. Janet makes or, or Janet Eleanor Janet makes accidentally makes more puppies. Yeah, we see some of the departments in the accountant's office. Walter he works in borrowing parentheses money. Which is uh, cubicle or something is J two dash three, strange sign, eight uh, dash or eight strange sign dash three. Uh, my handwriting is uh, Mildy or some somebody. Uh, Mike Milk it says, but I know that's not the person's name. Uh, uh, he, he's in charge of impressions. Parentheses Borat. Uh, and then we see Stacy, who's in charge of songs with specific dance instructions. Uh, so those are some of the things that'll get you to the bad place, apparently. Uh, maybe we kind of get like a cool behind the scenes, uh, some of the workings, uh, the not so well workings of the uh, afterlife judgment system. And yeah, just uh, the head accountant shows us the main feed, which is a kick computer, like a, com- a computer, an old computer. Everything the technology is dated, which I guess fits for a bureaucracy, and it's in a wood frame, so it's almost like a kit computer, like you build your own one. Yeah, here's a little pro tip: don't do destination weddings. It's negative twelve hundred points. A themed destination wedding is negative four thousand three hundred points. So extra 3,100 points just for having a theme destination wedding. And if you have a destination Lord of the Rings themed wedding, a lot of negative points. Uh, we see the printout for Richard Moore, I think was his name. He was uh, 
he was like putting coins in a gourd. And then we see somebody, I can't read this, Ward or Mark, he was in charge of, uh, uh, um, not just like uh, judging uh, 99% of the time new behaviors are sexual that humans invent, uh, that the accounting office has to judge uh, whether they're a positive or negative uh, point system. And uh, this one, yeah, is like uh, stuffed. Oh, let's see. The people in the stuffed vegetables. Uh, somebody with an A is in charge of stuffed vegetables. Somebody hectares in American coins. And Matt is uh, in charge of the uh, SEX things. And they find out that putting coins in a gourd or something is negative 9.8884 points. Uh, and that that's double checked by 3 billion accountants. Uh, so it's always correct. Uh, they also use, at first I thought it was vacuum tubes for the mail, but I think it, then I looked it up as pneumatic tubes. And they send all the records to the good place or the bad place. Uh, I think people's records are something. Uh, but the head accountant says, you know, this system is flawless. Uh, then Michael says, huh, well, you know, I'm not sure about that. Uh, can we see, what about Doug Forsett's file? Can we see that? Uh, then we bounce back uh, to uh, Cheedy, Ellen, uh, Cheedy Janet, or Janet Cheedy is teaching Ethics 101. And I have trouble getting some of these notes out. And actually, maybe it's coming up here. Uh, but at first, this says just on the chalkboard, Professor Cheedy Anagonia, Conceptions of the Self. Uh, then there's a note here for me to pause it. So let me see if I can find it. Uh, because I think it says Derek Parfait is one of the people being quoted, uh, who's from 1992 to uh, 2017. Then I said, is that the Derek from season two? Uh, and I, I said, well, maybe. But they, and they explained, uh, uh, he, he talked about the, 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 this Derek Parfait or whoever. Uh, explained intention and identity uh, with a split. Uh, like, uh, he said, hey, if you took yourself and then you uh, divided yourself uh, into two selves uh, or, or the essential parts of yourself, which one would you be? Oh, which is a real self? Derek Parfait, it is. Derek Parfait. Uh, and they also were talking about John Locke. Uh, which one is me? Uh, so that's kind of the questions Chidi's pr proposing. The, then uh, Eleanor, like uh, person A, person B, or person C, or if person A is split into person B and C, uh, it's a thought experiment. Then which one is you, person B? You, should, you know, this is not exactly stuff you want to be contemplating when you're trying to sleep. Uh, but it, maybe it could push you to sleep because you say, well, I guess does it, does it really matter? Uh, yeah, but in conceptually it does, uh, especially to Chidi at this moment. Then we see the books of Doug's. Uh, they use real books that have computers and screens built into them in the accountant's office. Uh, I think that was just a cool to use, uh, uh, like, a book of Doug's. It brings up the electronic file. It's a Douglas is his real name. He has 520,000 points. Douglas Forsett, uh L4 set actually, uh, and he's 68 years old, so that's not qualifying for the good place. 
There was even a grid with something moving on it. I wasn't sure if that was Doug for set. Uh, Michael says, how can that be? We're just there. He's living this excellent life. Not, not exactly fulfilling. Michael doesn't say that, but uh, he says, geez. Uh, and they get, uh, the accountant says, no, the system really works. Let me show you the first point uh, from 2001-993 BCE. Oog gives a rock to rock to Goog or Groog or something. Uh, first incident of altruism. Uh, then uh, poor guy shows up uh, because a burning man started. Then we're back to the lessons. We're talking about David Hume, a bundled ego or something. Uh, Jason's not there anymore. Changing impressions. Oh, Jason's in a broken hot tub with Pillboy and they're drinking 40s. And then Pillboy says, oh, dip, uh, uh, please, uh, Jan- the real Janet comes and says, quit messing around, uh, who is getting in, uh, this is your name, last three years. Okay, so Janet comes and sends the hot tub back, then Janet, real Janet is having trouble with Michael, she says, hurry up, Michael, uh. Michael says, okay, uh, basically, he goes, okay, let's figure out who got in in the last three years, uh, like uh, like three years ago. He says, uh, last or this year, no one. Last three years, no one. And there's lots of funny typing, uh, which is always funny, watching people fast type. Uh, Comedy typing, underrated for me. You say, Scoots, what's your favorite form of subtle, I say typing, Who's your favorite typist? Well, Michael Janet, or maybe now uh, the account head accountant. Uh, and they say, well, the last time someone got into the good place was 521 years ago. And Michael says, well, do, do, do you think that's a working system then, dude? Then we see Janet's breaking up. Uh, Janet, Jason, and Janet Cheedy have a nice talk uh, until Janet Jason says, let me tell you a story about my 80-person dance crew. And Janet Chidi says, I thought it was a 60-person dance crew. And then he's like, wait a second, you're Eleanor Janet pretending to be Jason Janet. Uh, then Janet kind of does an I Dream of Genie thing with her nose, or I don't know what show. There's two of those, Bewitched and I Dream of Genie. I do, I, just until now, I said, there's a show, other show other than I Dream of Genie. These were old shows before my time even. Though they were on Nick at Night. I didn't really watch either one of them, but I'll talk about that. Uh, then there's a break. Uh, then there's this far shot, and it zooms into uh, Eleanor and Chidi talking. The the kind of uh, the void's breaking up. It, J- Eleanor, Janet keeps uh, switching. And then we go to real Janet. She says, well, the, somewhat Eleanor's sense of self is crumbling. Uh, and then they say, you should get a hold it together, Eleanor. Uh, we're okay. Then we have this interesting, uh, funny little thing of, uh, Tahani, Janet and Jason, Janet are walking and they're leaving dots behind them. Jason has aqua dots and, uh, Tahani has purple dots. And there's these giant signs are walking past. Uh, one says, uh, uh, lost, uh, head this way, which is the opposite direction uh, from where they're pointing. Then two other signs say, uh, where you came from, and it points to the opposite direction they're going. 
And then they stumble on this giant flash, flat screen. It says, you asked Janet for help with, it's a search engine. And I think the button says Janet too. And it's also audible because Jason says something, cartoons for Jason. It says Jason, all these exclamation points. And then there's a Jason and Janet kind of fan page. It has their wedding album. Their wedding album kind of points to an E on Jeremy Baramy. So I don't know if that's Janet's Jeremy Baramy. Uh, let's see. Oh, then the, the, the accountant says, we're going to, he goes, I guess that's it. If you want to stick around, though, we're going to celebrate Marisol's birthday. She's 39 million again. Uh, and then Michael kind of says, what are you saying? Dude, like no one got into the good place. You know, uh, Harry Tubman, uh, Salk, uh, not one single golden girl. And I said, wait a second. Are, what are the golden girls are, are some of them are still with us. That's why Michael, I hope, uh, and then he says, take it up with the committee, which was only a small mention, but I guess because I watched you so many times, I said, okay, that's a pretty poor, important thing. And then the accountant does the Willy Wonka, Gene Wilder Willy Wonka. He says, good day, sir. Uh, and Michael goes, well, who's going to help us now? And Janice says, it has to be you. You have to fix it, uh, but marbleize me first. Uh, then we go back to Cheedy and Eleanor uh, uh, kind of talking. Oh, Cheedy's trying to keep Eleanor, uh, her sense of self. He says, uh, uh, remember who you are. Your emergency contact is Britney Spears. Uh, your favorite movie is when uh, uh, John Travolta was, is a YouTube video of John Travolta saying Adele Kazim. And uh, then she, finally they have it, K-I-S-S-I-N-G, and has a magic 360-degree spin around. They both take a big breath. She says, nice work, bud. Then they have K-I-S, K-I-S-S, and they double it because they have a second one. And then we're back. Janet's okay, but then she Zeus's out all of the um, humans uh, or post-humans. Uh, everyone's safe. Uh, so Michael says that's good news. Bad, you know. Then uh, the account says more good news. Cake for everybody. And Michael says this has no plan. This doesn't make any sense. Uh, so I'm going to do it. Uh, uh, and then he takes the cake out of the accountant's thing and just throws it on the ground. He says, go. And he grabs a book of dugs. Uh, he asks for a volunteer uh, to go through the pneumatic tube to the good place. And Jason volunteers. And everybody follows him. Uh, and they come out in like an old mailbox in like an old school mail office. Uh, kind of an 1800s feel, but I have no idea. Uh, and then J- uh, Eleanor says, where the fork are we? And finally, uh, you know, episode concludes with holy forking shirt balls. Uh, so they're supposed to be in the good place, maybe, hopefully. Maybe they'll look for this committee in the second half of this season. Good place get renewed for a fourth season, which is great. Uh, so a lot of good news. I don't know how many episodes are coming up in the second half of the of this season. Uh, or when they'll be in January at some point, but... Uh, you know, it's, it's good news. So, so let's do some of this research now.
Okay, so let's see. Janet's a good place. Let's see what came up on this episode here. Oh, dot matrix printer was one thing. And according to Wikipedia, so this was a printer that we had, I think, in the 90s even. Uh, oh, wow. We'll see. Maybe even uh, into the aughts. Uh, I don't know in the last, I think I had one in the 80s, maybe. Uh, maybe it's the 90s. No, I had one in the 90s. Uh, the dot matrix printer is an impact printer that prints using a fixed number of pins or wires. Uh, in contrast, inkjet and laser jet printers typically exhibit dot matrix printing, but they're not considered dot matrix printers. Uh, impact versus non-impact is one way printers are divided into cl- two classes. Uh, uh, they use a, a vertical column of pins which fire and thus force contact between the paper in an ink-soaked ribbon. Oh, so just like a, ty- a bit like a typewriter. In the 70s and 80s, they were considered the best combination of cost and versatility uh, until the 90s and were by far the uh, most common form of printer with personal and home computers. Uh, the first one was the Centronics 101, and they had parallel electronic interface. I think that was a car, car cord you always had to freaking buy. Or you had, I think originally you needed your own uh, printer card, yeah. And then the, the USB came out. But printers, you know, they're still, it's like, they sell them without a cord. They say, holy mackerel, and then the whole thing with the ink. Uh, let's see. But now, like, with wireless printing, I guess there's not much they can do now. Uh, 90s, by the dawn of the 90s, it says inkjets were more common. Uh, let's see. They have a lot of different ones. Low cost, uh, in the 80s, the price, uh, the, uh, they became faster and more versatile than daisy wheel printers. I remember the IBM Selectric, uh, that was a daisy wheel typewriter. And then the increase of pin, how, pin, pin count of the pin, print, pin, print head from 7 to 8 to 9 to 12 to 18 to 24 to 27 to 36, uh, which permitted better, uh, superior print quality and to, to go to more uh, diverse markets. Uh, with more complicated printing in, in their languages. Uh, ESP, ESP Epson's 24-print LQ series was the new standard. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think I ever, I think, I don't think I, as manufacturing costs declined, uh, the 24-pin printers were replaced by 9-print ones. Uh, uh, I don't understand that. Uh, Near-letter quality mode. I don't know if they could, could they do that? I guess so. Uh, so I don't know. It definitely was not, you know, it would make this like squealing noise as it went across. Uh, some of you might remember Dot Matrix Printer. Some of you, luckily, I guess you were spared from it. Uh, and everyone in the last uh, 20 or 30 years may, may, may or not, may not know Stephen James Merchant, uh, who's known for his collaborations with Ricky Gervais and Carl Pilkington. Uh, he was a uh, director and writer for The Office, Extras, The Ricky Gervais Show, uh, Life Too Short, uh, yeah, Carl Pilkington's different shows, and really just a great surprise. Uh, someone I, someone I, I guess I, I really look up to, very tall. I mean, I didn't even mean it in that way. I hear Matt Lieber's tall, too. I've never seen Matt Lieber in person, but uh, 
wonder who's taller, Stephen Merchant or Matt Lieber. I mean, I knew, I know I saw a picture of uh, uh, from the set where he was kind of towering over everybody. Stephen Merchant. Uh, but he's been a podcast. I mean, that's one of the reasons I got into podcasting was uh, Ricky Gervais, Carol Pilsington, Stephen Merchant. I drove uh, across the uh, northwest uh, to listen to that podcast and like... Uh, it was like 2006, uh, 2007. It paid for the one of the seasons of the podcast, or maybe even another one. Uh, let's see, what else do we need to know? Uh, I don't know, just a shout out. Uh, according to Wikipedia, he lives in a home once owned by Ellen. Ellen uh, so, Ellen DeGeneres, of course. Uh, uh, he's a six foot seven. Uh, so he's pretty tall. Uh, well, uh, graceful grasshopper Russell Brand calls him. Uh, uh, he prefers to talk about his similarities to Peter Crouch, uh, who's also six seven. And yeah, I think that's it. Uh, yeah, I guess that's a little bit about Stephen Merchant, b- beloved. Uh, and b- to, speaking of beloved uh, people, let's talk about. Uh, uh, believing in share, and just a little bit about share. Uh, it commonly referred to by the media, according to Wikipedia, as the goddess of pop. Uh, she gained popularity in 1965 uh, with uh, as uh, half of Sonny and Cher when their song I Got You Babe hit number one on the British and American charts. Uh, within two years, it sold 40 million records. Uh, and according to Time, they were it, the it couple of rock. Uh, uh, Cher also started her uh, solo career. Uh, and, uh, you know, then they had the, in the 70s the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour, watched by over 30 million weekly viewers during its 30 year, three year run. Uh, and this was just a start. Uh, she was a trendsetter. Uh, she was working on. Uh, TV, disco, uh, she did one of the, like, early concert residency in Las Vegas in 80 to 82. Uh, in 82, she also hit Broadway. Uh, then she started hitting motion pictures, uh, Silkwood Mask, Moonstruck, uh, and she got the Academy Award for her performance in Moonstruck. Uh, she was also releasing albums during that time, Cher, Heart of Stone, Love Hurts, and, you know, there's some real, like, that's a, if I could turn back time, I, I don't know if I would, because, like, uh, it was then I would be before Believe came out, which is a song that made me think of Cher. Or that, well, uh, it was pioneering use of audio tune, also notice the Cher effect. Uh, she continued touring, did another uh, three-year residency in Las Vegas, uh, returned to f- film, um and uh, continues to be relevant and active in, in supporting people. Uh, so that's just a little bit about Cher. Let's, th- this is a song I've never done in karaoke because I, I can't quite get down the lyrics, but this would be one of my karaoke songs, uh, Believe by Cher. Yeah, which is, it says, you say, after love, after love, after love, after love, no matter how hard I try, you keep pushing me aside and I can't break through. There's no talking to you. It's so sad you're leaving. 
It takes time to believe it, but after all is said and done, you're going to be the lonely one. Do you believe in life after love? I can feel something inside me say, I really don't think you're strong enough. No. Do you believe in life after love? I can feel something inside me say, I really don't think you're strong enough. No. Uh, what am I supposed to do? Sit around and wait for you? Well, I can't do that. Do, do that. There's no turning back. Uh, I need to move on. I need love to feel strong. Because I've had time to think it through. And maybe I'm too good for you. Uh, do you believe in life after love? I can feel something inside me say. I really don't think you're strong enough. No. Well, I know I'm going to get through this because uh, I know that I am strong. I don't need you anymore. Oh, I don't need you anymore. Yeah. Do you believe in life after love? I think we do. I, you know, we do. Uh, and thanks to Cher. Uh, what about pneumatic tubes? Uh, the, uh, the pneumatic tubes are... Uh, or capsule pipes and pipelines, also known as pneumatic tube transports, are systems that propel cylindrical containers through networks of tubes by compressed air or partial vacuum. Uh, they're used for transporting solid objects as opposed to conventional pipelines, which transport fluids. I've always found this fascinating. Uh, uh, pneumatic tube tr tr networks gained acceptance in the late 19th and early 20th century for offices that needed to transport small urgent packages over relatively short distances, like within a building or at most within a city. Uh, some installations grew to great complexity, but most were superseded. Uh, but in some places, like uh, they still get used, uh, like hospitals, uh, and they've been extended and developed. Uh, only time I've got used one that I know about is uh, at banks. A small number of pneumatic systems were built for larger cargo, at, and that's what I think Muskie might be working on is something similar to that. Uh, pneumatic tra capsule transport was invented by William Murdoch. Uh, it was considered a novelty until the invention of the, ca the capsule in 1836. Uh, the Victorians used them to transmit telegrams from to buildings from telegraph stations. Uh, Joseph Hosiah Latimer Clark, 1854, had a patent for conveying letters or parcels between places by pressure of air and vacuum, and put one in the uh, stock, London Stock Exchange and the Electric Telegraph Company uh, pneumatic dispatch. Uh, they were also used for small parcels and documents in cash carriers at uh, banks and supermarkets. Uh, they're still in use, but on a smaller scale. Uh, while it's used for communicating information has been superseded, uh, they're still getting used to uh, transport small objects. Like before ATMs drive-up banks used it uh, uh, so they could have more than one lane. It was the only place I used it. Some factories used them to deliver parts across large campuses. Uh, larger stores use them to still move uh, excess cash. National's, NASA, NASA's uh, Mission Control Center had pneumatic tubes uh, connecting consoles with staff support rooms. Uh, Denver International Airport has, a, has many uh, pneumatic tube systems. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, even one for uh, ticketing, 
and parking park parking toll collection. Uh, they've been used in science to transport samples. Uh, in McDonald's, it closed in 2011, and Minnesota had the world's only pneumatic drive-through. Now that would be cool. Uh, new, there is new interest in it. Uh, so the Postal Service used it. I want to see like what cities used it because uh, they think some of it's so hard to tell, like the difference between fiction and fantasy. You know. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, we've got uh, yeah. There were some of them, and they experimented with railways and stuff like that. Uh, technical characteristics. Oh yeah, in fiction, Jules Verne. Jules Verne had it. Uh, uh, Marcel Proust. Uh, George Orwell. Uh, Doc, Doc Savage magazine. Uh, Genesis Two. Uh, yeah, so here, let's see. A lot of it in. Oh, there's even. I haven't seen the whole Polar Express, so I'll have to watch that because I guess there's one in there. Uh, so, all really uh, interesting stuff. I, I mean, I guess I fantasize about uh, like cool stuff like that or traveling by it. Now, that would be really exciting to be like uh, to be able to go on that. Uh, okay, what about a CE, Common Era? Uh, BCE, I forgot what you, I wrote down, oh, we'll, we'll get to, oh, no, no, when Oog and Groog exchanged rocks, uh, that was in BCE, uh, which is a notation system for the world's most widely used calendar era. It, it uh, CE, BCE, BCE and CE are alternatives to the Dionysian AD and BC system, uh, since those are, uh, but they're numerically equivalent, uh, 2018 CE corresponds to 2018 AD and 400 BC to 400 BCE. Um, let's see. Uh, it's been traced back to 1615 uh, when uh, Johannes Kepler uh, uh, used it. Uh, let's see. Origins, uh, I think we talked about that. There's also other ways to describe common, which in Latin, uh, contemporary use, uh, some academics in theology, education, and history have adopted CE and BCE, though there's still some disagreement. Uh, but major museums are, are starting to use it. Uh, use in text, textbook, uh, TV shows, uh, World Almanac switched over in 2007. Uh, England and Wales uh, introduced it in 2002 to their school curriculum. Uh, in the U.S., you know, we still kind of say, like, uh, I don't know if you, you know, so it gets get used. Uh, there's nothing super uh, tangential in there. What about electronic kits? So there's like a kit computer. So I looked that up. Uh, this isn't it's like electronic kit was like a computer you would order and build. Just like when we talked about TVs. Uh, oh, that's on a Doctor Who episode. But like uh, you could order a TV kit back in the day, I think. Uh, so it came with components. Uh, and uh, that like uh, you would put together uh, construction of a single device. uh 
uh, on like uh, some soldering. Uh, some examples, the Altar 8880, the first home computer was sold as a kit. Uh, so were other computers. Uh, but just, I just thought, because some of these computers back, when you build them, they would have a wooden uh, thing, but nothing super interesting. What about I Dream of Genie? I think Genie uh, was the one who she she would she would uh, nod her head. I'm trying to think of Eleanor Janet who nodded her head or winked her nose. Yeah, but I Dream of Genie was an American fantasy sitcom starring Barbara Eden as a 2,000-year-old genie and Larry Hagman as an astronaut uh, who eventually becomes her husband. It aired from uh, 1965 to 1970. Oh, wow, I would have put it earlier than that. Uh, it ran for five seasons and 139 episodes. Uh, in the pilot, uh, Captain Tony Nelson's on a space flight when uh, Stardust One comes down in a deserted island. He finds a sp- strange bottle. He rubs it and uh, he uh, out becomes a genie. Uh, uh, they can't understand each other until he says that he wishes she could speak to him. Oh, on his instructions, then per instructions, she blinks. So oh, he wants to get rescued. And uh, so she blinks, and a rescue copter goes up. Uh, very patriarchal show, I think. Uh, uh, but I, I didn't really watch much of it. Uh, uh, background: It was created by Sidney Sheldon in response to the success of the. Oh, so it was a response to Bewitched. Uh, uh, it was also inspired by uh, the movie uh, Brass Bottle which had starred Tony Randall, Barbara Eden, and Burl Ives. Uh, uh, they were both Screen Gem Productions. Uh, and the casting, they couldn't find a suitable person. Uh, according like to a book on it, uh, they wanted to film season one in color, but NBC didn't want to pay for it because uh, they didn't think it would last. Uh, uh, Sheldon offered the, to pay the extra $400 an episode needed for color at the beginning of the uh, series. Uh, but the executive said, don't throw away your money. Oh, it has an opening narrated by Paul Fries, uh that mentions uh, the first few episodes did. Uh, an expository, non-animated. Oh, so the opening sequence is originally non-animated expository opening narrated by Paul Fries. Uh, which mentions that Nelson lives in a mythical town named Cocoa Beach in a mythical state called Florida. It, then they had a famous kind of animated sequence uh, that got redone you know, when the show switched from black and white to color. Uh, I kind of remember that. Uh, and it was done by Fr- Fritz Freeling. Uh, is, so, yeah, a little bit of it. Uh, oh, I think the music, I, I get all those music so- songs mixed up, but... Uh, so, yeah, better not comment on the music. Uh, oh, but it has been sampled by DJs. Uh, uh, what about the year 1497? That was the last year someone made it to the good place. Uh, uh, so, let's see. There was the bonfires, the vanities in Flo- Florence, Cornish uh, Rebellion, Marigo Vespucci uh, set out on a voyage, uh, Pope Alexander... Uh, did some stuff. John Cabot set sail from Bristol on the ship Matthew uh, heading west. 
Catholic monarchs uh, issued an ordinance uh, about uh, creating a system based on copper. It was used in almost all, it would be used in all parts of the Americas and uh, a basis for modern currencies, including the dollar. And uh, let's see, I'm just trying to, John Cabot uh, landed in uh, Newfoundland. Uh, Vasco da Gama headed out uh, from Libsyn. Another Cornish uprising. Uh, John, the king of Denmark, uh, won some stuff. Uh, it was a seven-year peace between England and Scotland. Uh, let's see. I'm just trying to just see if anybody uh, looks like they could have made it. Ivan the Great was around, but he's still rolling. Uh, Burfs. Let's see who. Uh, let's see who was born. Just uh, I'm not recognizing any of these. Ernst Ernest Holland, Francis of Denmark. Okay, here's some people who passed away. I was just trying to see anyone's name. Uh, a German banker, Barbara. Fugger, uh, July 23rd, uh, Philip II, the Duke of Savoy, uh, James Touche. So I don't know. I don't, I'm not recognizing any of these, uh, anyone that I'd say was a definite lock. So it could have been a regular person. Uh, but yeah, it's just a little bit about, uh, that year, 1497, uh, a little bit about David Hume, uh, was a Scottish Enlightenment philosopher, uh, known for his highly influential system of uh, empiricism, skepticism, and naturalism. Uh, it places him with uh, John Locke, uh, George Berkeley, Francis Bacon, and Thomas Hobbes. Uh, he wrote a Treatise of Human Nature in 1739. And he wanted to create a total naturalistic science of humans uh, that expanded the psychological basis, examined the psychological basis of human nature. Uh, against rationalists, uh, Hume held that passion rather than reason governs human behavior. Uh, Hume argued against the existence of innate ideas, positing that uh, all human knowledge is founded in experience. And he, Hume thus held that genuine knowledge must be traceable to objects perceived in existence or result from abstract reasoning about relations between ideas derived from experience. Calling the rest nothing but sophistry and illusion, uh, a dichotomy later given in the name Hume's Fork, uh, and what is sometimes referred to, referred to as Hume's problem of induction, he argued that inductive reasoning and belief in causality cannot be justified rationally. Instead, our trust in causality and induction result from custom and mental habit. Uh, so a lot of things. Uh, opposition to the theological argument for God's existence. Uh, he's a sentimentalist who held that ethics are based on emotion or sentiment rather than abstract moral principle. Uh, virtue ethics, uh, uh, Hume concurred regarding traits of character rather than acts and their consequences. So there's a lot, a lot more about David Hume, but I just wanted to give a little bit of due. And what about the song had to be you? Cause Janice says it has to be you, Michael. Uh, 
Uh, it's a popular song written by uh, Isham Jones with lyrics by Gus Kahn. It was first published in 1924. Uh, it was performed by Ruth Edding in the 1936 short film Melody in May. Uh, by Priscilla Lane in the 1939 Roaring Twenties film by Ginger Rogers and uh, Cornell Wilde. In the 47 film It Had to Be You uh, uh, by Danny Thomas. Uh, I'll See You in My Dreams uh, by Joanne Drew. So it's been a lot of movies. Uh, it was the theme of Harry Met Sally. Uh, which uh, finished in number 60 of AFA, AFI's 100 Years, 100 Songs, Top Tunes in American Cinema, and a lot of notable recordings. Let's see the most recent ones. Uh, Dean Martin, 1962. Tony Bennett, 1964. Barbara Streisand, 1966. Color Me, Color Me Barbara. Uh, Diane Keaton, uh, Harry Connick Jr., for, that was in the Harry Met Sally. Rod Stewart, uh, Kenny G, uh, Tony Bennett, and Carrie Underwood, Elvis Costello, and Vince Giordano, and Michael Bublé and Barbara Streisand. Holy cow. Uh, 2014 album Partners. So, uh, it's a little bit about It Had to Be You. And what about, let's close on altruism, because uh, that came up in this episode. Uh, won't get you in the good place, so principle and moral practice of concern uh, for happiness of for other human beings and or animals resulting in quality of life, both material and spiritual. It is a traditional virtue in many cultures and a core aspect of various religious traditions and secular worldviews. Through the concept of others towards whom concern must should be directed, must be, must be, sure should be directed, uh, and can vary among cultures and religions. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Dharma. Uh, let's see. It's the opposite of self selflessness or versus selfishness. Self selfishness. Uh, it was coined by French philosopher Auguste Comte uh, for an antonym of egoism. Uh, altruism and biological observations in the field populations of day organisms in, is an individual performing an action which is at no cost to themselves, which is at cost to themselves, uh, but benefits either directly or indirectly another third party individual without the expectation of re reciprocity or compensation. So it would be a non karmic action. Uh, yeah, it's like doing surprises for people without without them ever knowing. I think that's altruistic, I guess. But that has a, does. A, oh, it says an actor may per, receive an intrinsic reward in the form of personal gratification. The validity of this argument depends on whether intrinsic rewards qualify as benefits. Uh, oh, because it's like, are you being altruistic or loyal? Uh, true out. I can't believe people say, "Are you true altru? Are you truly altruism? True altruism." Uh, Here's a longer article in here. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Uh, thanks. A good place, and thanks to you for listening. Good night.